Stephen Holder from uh, ESPN joins us. Of course, he covers the NFL, and uh, Stephen joins us as all guests do on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Stephen, how are you? Doing great. How about you guys? Great. Thanks for joining us. I think first and foremost, the uh, the news of the day in Cleveland, obviously, is that Mike Prefer is out as a special teams coordinator. And uh, your reporting says that uh, former Brown and and uh, Colts head coach, or head coach, Colts assistant coach, Bubba Ventrone, is obviously on the, uh, on the list of uh, guys that the Browns really want to talk to. What more can you tell us? Yeah, I mean, I, I was told earlier today that, that this was uh, very likely to happen, that he'd be actually departing for Cleveland. That might have been a little premature, and I didn't report that, but it, it did, it did uh, there was indication that, that there was a lot of interest, and it makes sense. He, he is definitely, um, I think, uh, and from what people around the NFL seem to think, you know, one of the uh, better and more uh, elite special teams coordinators in the league. So I think he's done a great job in Indianapolis, and uh, he would be someone that I think any team would want to talk to if he was available. So uh, something to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, he. I, I remember him with uh, when he was here in Cleveland playing for Eric Mangini. He was uh, a special teams uh, standout. Let me ask you this. What do you think the timeline is uh, for the Browns here uh, when they fired Joe Woods and they brought in Jim Schwartz? They got that done all done in eight days, the firing to the interviews and the hiring in eight days. What do you think the timeline is here for Stef- uh, Stefanski and the Browns to uh, get this filled and done? I mean, perhaps quicker because we're already a week out from the combine at this point. I mean, just the just the, the calendar itself, I think, kind of necessitates that you get this going. Uh, your special teams coach should at least p- play a pretty big role in your draft process. And I know that Bubba Ventrone has done that here in Indianapolis. Uh, his eye for, for talent in terms of, of looking for guys who they can uh, put on special teams and particularly – rookies and, and guys early in their career put on special teams and excel at, a, at an early stage of their career. Uh, he played a big role in that, and they leaned pretty heavily on, on him for those reasons. And, and if your special teams coach is worth his salt, uh, that should be happening for your team. So the point is, now that we are you know, pretty well into the draft season here, uh, the, the special teams coordinator takes on a pretty big role in that. Stephen Holder, ESPN, uh, joining us. Um, l- let me ask you this. Bubba's rise, like, uh, y- you've gotten to to watch him. What has made him such an effective uh, coordinator this young in his career? Yeah, it, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, uh, particularly when it comes to special teams, like, he he understands it. He gets it, right? I mean, he it's the reason he's spent as long as he did in the NFL. I mean, he had a much longer career than he ever should have had. And it's because he embraced special teams, understood special teams, and understood the mentality of special teams. And that is not something that that every player is able to do in the NFL, particularly guys who in college were star players or starters at least. They never some of them never get to that point, right? Bubba understood it and embraced it. The other thing I'd say is that, you know, he he certainly got uh, he took a lot of uh, a lot from different places, put it that way, right? His time in Cleveland, his time with Belichick, uh, his time in Indianapolis. And I think he has really absorbed uh, some some good techniques and and been around some good coaches and just, just the, the diversity of knowledge in general. And then the other thing is just his ability to, and this is a, sort of an intangible thing, but his ability to be really demanding of his players 
but at the same time also kind of prop them up and and build them up. I remember uh, Zaire Franklin, who was one of the Colts, who was the Colts' leading tackler this year, one of the leading tacklers in the NFL. He came in as a seventh round pick and he wanted to get on special teams. And you know, Bubba told him, "No, you're not ready. I can't put you out there." And but he, he gave him a, a blueprint on how to do it. And to Zaire Franklin's credit, he embraced that and became their special teams captain within two years. And that's a great example of what I'm talking about. Well, the Browns certainly could use a guy as a special teams coordinator who possesses those kind of traits for sure. Hey, I want to ask you a little bit about what's going on with the Colts here too. Obviously, it was kind of a bizarre season with Jeff Saturday coming in and, and now Shane Steichen taking over as a head coach. I spoke with someone in the Eagles organization and just asked him about Shane. And he said he's smart, he can connect, he's creative, intense, passionate, great to work with, and he's excellent at developing talent. It sure sounds like the kind of coach that you need uh, right now in Indianapolis. What are, uh, you know, what are the thoughts right now around that organization with, with Shane coming on board? Yeah, a lot of the same thoughts that you just reflected. Uh, I had someone describe him as having a little bit of evil genius in him, which was a compliment. <laughs> you know? And I think it, it, it almost sounded, from the description, almost like a Mike McDaniel type of approach, right? Uh, I think they're different guys, but but just in terms of how they see the game. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, the the interesting thing here, and I think this is a good thing for the Colts as they look for their next quarterback, is that he's he's shown a lot of diversity in in how he has uh, deployed his his offensive scheme. Right, going back to Philip Rivers, where I think they were still maybe in San Diego at the time, and he had a year with him as a coordinator. Then Justin Herbert. And then going to Philly and doing it with Jalen Hurts in a completely different fashion, right? A, a really run-heavy, play-action passing, uh, quarterback run-centric type of offense. And so very, very, very different approaches. And, and, and the Colts, at least, they believe that his ability to adapt is going to be a key for them. And as opposed to having a scheme that's very specific, and, and one where you have to get a particular type of quarterback. They think this allows them to have the freedom to pick whichever quarterback they see as the best available. And I, I really do think that is a big key here because uh, so many times we see coaches not have that, that willingness to be as flexible. I think Shane Steichen has, has demonstrated that already. Look, we, uh, we're in the heart of Buckeye country here, and uh, I think there were a lot of people that weren't necessarily sold on C.J. Stroud because he lost to Michigan twice. Yes, he had good performances against Notre Dame and in the Rose Bowl, but uh, it wasn't until he did what he did against the Georgia Bulldogs, who everybody expects was going to be the best defense he would play all year. It wasn't until C.J. made that performance that people really started to buy in. I think he really helped his draft stock. But I haven't heard a ton of talk about C.J. to the Colts with any real legs behind it. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's true. And that I haven't heard a lot of that either. But I, I also don't dismiss the idea of him landing here. I, I mean, first of all, I mean, he, he looks the part, right? I mean, I think if you talk about a guy who has who is maybe the, the most complete of, of, the, of the elite prospects at quarterback in this draft, CJ is probably the most complete. I'm not saying he's going to be the best because I have no way of knowing that. And, and, and who knows what, what happens, right? These guys, it all depends on where they land, et cetera. But if you're looking for the guy who checks the most boxes, it's probably CJ Stroud. And the reason I say that over Bryce Young is not because I don't like Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is a fantastic player, 
probably, you could make the argument, more talented, at least has had more consistency than C.J. Stroud, for sure. The problem is that Bryce Young is battling this, the doubts about his size, which are very, very real. So once you take that out of the equation, I mean, C.J. Stroud doesn't have that to worry about, and he has had a lot of success uh, at, at the highest level. Uh, he, has, he has shown all the attributes he won. He's shown the accuracy. He's shown the ability to read defense. He's shown all the things that you're looking for, the things that those quarterbacks tend to struggle with. I mean, again, I think he's the most complete guy today. Doesn't mean, and I mean, just free of questions, I guess is what I'm saying. He's, he has the fewest questions. Let's put it that way. Put well, it that way. For what it's worth, I was in the building basically three, four days a week in Columbus uh, all fall, and Jim Knowles regularly said that C.J. Stroud was the best quarterback that he had ever had a chance to work with on the same team, and that included Eli Manning when they were down uh, down in, during Eli's college days. So the the hmm. the ability to process a defense, C.J. Stroud is apparently you know passed that with flying colors, and, and you heard that from most of the coordinators. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, if he becomes one of the top picks in the draft. You know, one one quick thought I had as you were laying that out is, you know, who no one was talking about the year he was drafted it was Justin Herbert. You're right. I, I say no one. Obviously, people were talking about sure. him, but I remember being at the Senior Bowl that year and just kind of saying, "Eh, nice player. We'll see." <laughs> you know, and <laughs> no, because no one was making a big deal about him, and I guess I just didn't see it. And so, uh, because you know, I'm no, I'm no uh, draft analyst, and and sure enough, right? I think that worked out. So. It's it could be the same here, and that's why this is such a hard thing. But but when you when you look back at the the lesson there with Justin Herbert is he did do everything. He was a guy who who had the the whole package. He just maybe wasn't flashy, hadn't won the big game, et cetera, and and so it it just wasn't as obvious maybe. But when you look back look back at it in hindsight, maybe we should have seen that. You know, maybe that, that applies here too. Well, getting the quarterback is like the hardest piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, we, we know that here in Cleveland. Um, how aggressive do you expect the, the Colts to, to be here? Are they willing to go get a guy? Or are they looking for someone to fall to them? Like, where do you think Jim Ursay is in the whole answering that quarterback conundrum that the Colts now have? Well, so Jim Ursay had either, uh, I don't know if it was a slip of the tongue or just really eager to tell us, but he had that. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Who knows? He definitely made some news last week. When Liquid he courage. About, yeah, he started talking about trading up, and he said, you know, that Alabama kid looks pretty good. Uh, of course, I agree. But anyhow, I, I mean, if, and as soon as he said it, Chris Ballard, their GM, said, wait, well, wait a minute, we could trade down too, you know. And in the middle of the press conference, which was hilarious. Uh, that would have now, been a fun conversation to eavesdrop on immediately after the press conference. Oh, man, let's just say I got a few text messages from the building yeah, after that. Like, can you, you believe this? And so, anyhow, here's the thing. Uh, they, it's it's going to be interesting because I think you have Jim Ursay, who is, I think, seeing an opportunity here to solve all their problems. Whether that actually happens, I don't know. But But it's an opportunity, right? This problem has been going on for four years now. And then you have Chris Ballard, their GM, who is, who is historically very conservative and has a long history of trading down in the draft. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can get on the same page. And, and it also is going to boil down to the evaluation at the end of the day. 
you know, it's, it's not about getting the quarterback. It's like, is this the right guy? And, and is this the guy to go all in on, whoever it is? And we'll have to see. I don't know if they're there yet, but I, I'll tell you what. They have been through a lot at that position, and this is an opportunity they haven't had. I think they need to absolutely maximize it. They cannot screw this up. Listen, you said four years. When you guys get to double digits and get into the 20s, <laughs> yeah. then, you, then you can start. Then I'll send some tissues your way gotta, because that's what it's been here. I got to read the room a little better. I'm <laughs> and and it cost the Browns six draft picks and two hundred and thirty million dollars to get the guy they that's think all. can. You know, so that's all. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I get it. Listen, I grew up a Dolphins fan, growing up in South Florida, and you know, two was great. But I mean, just think about it. You know, Dan Marino retired like twenty two years ago, man. And you know, so I, I can relate. I get it. Hey, look, the Colts went from uh, Peyton to Luck. Right, yeah. just like the Packers went Favre to yeah. Rodgers, y'all should just be counting your blessings. They were there. due for some some tough days. Okay, let me tell you. I, I mean, they, I, I realize they might hang the drafted a quarterback in the first round of the twenty twenty three draft <laughs> banner in the rafters at Lucas Oil, but come on. Right. Hey, let's, listen, I tell Colts fans all the time. I mean, you got to remember this was not a football town until Peyton Manning became a thing. And I tell Colts fans all the time, you know, this is how the other half lives. Like, this is normal, unfortunately. Well, you know, it, it's normal for a lot of fans, at least. You know, sure. so it's not something they've been able to cope with very well. They're not listening to me, but I try to tell them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end on a Browns note here. Daryl and I were talking about this a bit earlier. I'm curious for someone who's, you know, totally outside the market. What does a successful Browns season look like to you in 2023? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I pay attention to the Browns, you know, because I, I, I like I have known Andrew Barry for, for quite a few years and have always kind of pulled for him. Good guy. I think he I think he is smart. Uh, he's had some tough days there, right? I think the trajectory just has to change, you know. I, I don't think anyone's expecting, you know, go win a bunch of playoff games. I, I don't think that's where the bar is. Maybe it is for ownership. I don't know. We'll see. But but I think I just think for, for reasonable people, it, the trajectory just has to clearly change. And, and that's something that we thought we were seeing a couple of years ago, right? You know, and then last season happened. It was what it was. But that's got to be the case. I, I think that's a start. Just get this thing turned in the right direction. They've got talent. They, they've got to answer some questions this year. If they can at least get on the right track, then I think they get some momentum and it gets going. But but that's where it starts for me. I don't I don't you know compete for the division all that. But I mean just get on the right side of the ledger and let's see that the the, the pendulum's going in the right direction. Steven uses the words reasonable when he talks about Browns fans have also reasonable expectations. Yes, coming coming from the same guy that said that the Browns needed to be in the AFC Championship uh, game next season. Yeah, I'm not letting him off the hook there, Steven. Oh my God. Right. Steven Holder from ESPN. There are no reasonable expectations. That's that's the best part about being an NFL fan for sure. Steven, thanks for joining us, man. Appreciate your insight and your time here this afternoon. All right, you got it. Take care, guys.